Glenfiddich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day as we uh, turn the corner here on a Monday, U.S. Open week. Really not much to talk about at all this week outside of the U.S. Open as uh, we get for the first time all of these players now reconvening back in the same locker room after what I would call somewhat of a split, as as we know, some of these players now have taken the money and joined the LIV Golf Series. I believe that's what we're calling an exhibition might be a better term. But nonetheless, Dustin Johnson took the money. We know Bryson DeChambeau recently has taken the money, Patrick Reed. And they're coming off their first event over in London where Charles Schwartzel got the win. They are on their way to Brookline, as is Rory McIlroy winning his 21st PGA Tour event up at the RBC Canadian Open, putting on a terrific show. They are on their way now, all of them over to the U.S. Open. And they're going to all come together, kumbaya at Brookline, the U.S. Open. And it's time for our monthly checkup with our man who's got all the inside rope. He's on his way to Boston, Daniel Rappaport. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm on the road. I'm excited. We've had a... Feels like the last week was about a month and a half long, and and we're starting up major week, which always feels like a marathon. So, uh, rest and recharge because this is going to be more drama, uh, more high school, more soap opera. Uh, we're just getting started. <laughs> we are just getting started, and for those of the people that think, well, they'll just kind of iron this out and work together, the PGA Tour and the LIV group. No, that's that's not what's going to happen. The LIV group is here, um, and there's going to be. Uh, a lasting approach to this, which uh, I've got a question for you on that. I want to get your thoughts on, but before we kind of get into all that, I think we got to start with Rory McIlroy here who, you know, look, I think it's kind of the voice for the players. He articulates very well. He's, he's well thought out. Uh, He's very grounded. I think he doesn't get emotional in the moment. He can take a look at a thing from 10,000 feet. And I've always said on the podcast, look, when you get Rory's attention, and he starts playing for a purpose, and you get that focus, and it's peak Rory, it's must-watch TV. And this weekend was must-watch TV, 62-64. He made 10 birdies on Sunday. He goes birdie-birdie at the end to put the field away. 21 wins now, one more than Greg Norman, just for those that he was kind of needling. That was Mr. Norman, the commissioner of the LIV group. But do you think when you watch that RBC and knowing Rory a little like you do, Daniel, like, that some of this has motivated him and he went out and played with the purpose up in Canada? A million percent. And I, I think it was funny. They asked him on Saturday night, you know, would this mean more? And he said, no, you know, anyone out here is great. That was the biggest BS in the world. <laughs> I mean, like you said, there, there have been times in the last, I don't know, five years, kind of since Rory's life has rounded out and he's gotten married, he's had kids and, where, where it's been very clear that, you know, he wants to win, but it's not, it's not like killing him if he doesn't, you know? And, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's so popular because he has that, you know, I hate to use the word perspective because it's, it's, it's so widely made fun of these days, but you know, he has that, he has that outlook that golfers and everything. And I think it's one of the reasons why he's also popular and one of the reasons why 
you know, his winning has slowed down a little bit in, in the past couple of years, but he wanted that so badly yesterday. And, and, and when he was saying it on Saturday that it didn't mean more, you could tell he didn't believe it. And you could tell from when he birdied the first hole on Sunday that that wasn't the case. And he wanted that really badly. And, and he definitely feels like he's playing for a bigger purpose now, which is, you know, at risk of sounding melodramatic, it's kind of saving the soul of professional golf. Um, you know, if you watch a little bit of the live action this weekend, I caught a little bit of it. There was a lot of money. Uh, there was a lot of clicks. There was a lot of shine, but there was no soul at all. Um, and there was no heart in the tournament, which look, I'm not naive. I understand how important money is mm-hmm. and how much money is going to play a factor in this going forward. But I, I just, I have a hard time believing um, that people with a brain can watch what happened at Centurion Golf Club and watch what happened at St. George's and think that what happened at Centurion is, is good for the health of the game long term. So we have a bit of a game theory situation going on here because the guys who are going are acting out of self-interest, which, you know, makes sense, right? Like for someone like Ian Poulter or someone like Kenny Duplass or, you know, whatever the guy's name is who finished second and made, you know, millions of dollars, it makes sense for them on an individual level. But I think everybody acting in self-interest will have a negative impact on the, on the entirety of professional golf as a whole. So, yeah, I, I mean, all that to say, Rory feels like he's playing for the soul of golf, and he's an emotional guy, and that sort of thing appeals to him more than any amount of prize money ever could. Yeah, you, you go all the way down, there's 48 guys, of course, in in the live event, and Schwartzel, who really has done nothing on the PGA Tour, this year goes there and wins kind of stumbles down the stretch plus two in the final round and wins. Then you go all the way down and and you're looking at Andy Ogletree finished 48th shot 24 over. Um, Here we go. If the pot Bernian Tanrat shot 23 over. Nice work. I was pretty good pronunciation. Yeah. I've been working on that one all morning. Turk Pettit, (laughs) Turk Pettit, 15 over. These guys are shooting in the eighties. Jordan Pettit and Andy Ogletree are screwed now because yeah. they're suspended and they're going to, they're the first guys out. I mean, that's the thing about like, I think it was Kevin Van Valkenburg. I was reading his article yesterday. I think it was his about Liv. And there's a couple good points. This is like, you know, all of these guys are talking about what a great opportunity this is for them and, and how it's, you know, guaranteed money and a place to play. And, and yes, like for Andy Ogletree, he was not going to make 120 grand to shoot 24 over anywhere else this week. But like <laughs> once Pat Perez comes aboard and once Patrick Reed comes aboard and once more guys come aboard, I think there will be more. I don't think it will happen this week because I think that they'll just kind of dump it all next week on the PGA Tour and kind of let that U.S. Open breathe a little. But Turk Pennant is going to be gone. And so is Andy Ogletree. And they're not just suspended from the PGA Tour, which wouldn't really matter because Andy Ogletree's not really getting close to the PGA Tour these days. But they are suspended from the Corn Ferry Tour, the PGA Tour Canada, and PGA Tour Latino America. So what are these guys going to do? And that's like, if I'm if I'm one of these guys who isn't one of the very best players in the world, that would scare the crap out of me about Liv. It's like, yeah, they'll give me money up front, but then they'll just like, be the curb and, and like not. But now what? 
Yep. Yep. I, I totally agree. And and I've thought that from day one when I was looking at those names, I'm like, really? I mean, I don't know how much runway you're going to have because there's more coming and 48 guys in an event, boy, there's not much wiggle room there. Let, let me ask you this as these guys now reconvene in the same locker room. Um, you're, you're dialed in there. What percent do you think of players right now on the PGA tour, the members, how many of you do you think are genuinely pissed that these guys are taking the money? Um, this is, you know, it's, it's probably a complicated emotion because if you're someone, you know, a rank and file PGA tour player, you're, you're not, you, you probably haven't even been contacted by a So, so this whole thing is kind of, you know, existing above your, so I, I mean, use an example like uh, Monto Griffin. I mean, he always seems to be the guy that comes to my mind when I think of sort of like run of the mill, like average, very nice player, mm-hmm. not put any butts in the seats, not losing his cards, not making it for a championship. You know, Monto Griffin, Matt he's been one of those guys. Like the big for the reason that you're you're rich in the first place. So like you can't really be like, oh, well, these guys are are such assholes and they're so selfish because you know. Without Phil Mickelson and and those type of players, you know, you wouldn't be playing for eight million or nine million every week. But at the same time, you know, this, this, their their impact, their decisions don't happen on an island, and and they don't. It's not just like, oh, well, they're going to leave, which opens up more money for me, maybe in the short term. But if if they really do, if Liv is successful in, in taking away a lot of top line talent, that's going to shrink the pie, the overall pie of the PGA Tour. There's going to be less sponsorship, as many less eyeballs. You know, a fractured environment, I think, leads to uh, certainly less revenue for both sides, definitely for the PGA Tour, which actually can't just hand out cash. You know, they need to balance the books, whereas Liv doesn't. You know, Liv guys, I mean, they must be hemorrhaging money. Just like $200 million to Phil Mickelson. I mean, the guy shot 10 over par. And, and no one wants, they don't have a TV deal. I mean, I can't imagine the losses that they're taking this year. But I would say, you know, 30 or 40% of, of DJ Tour players are probably thinking to themselves, like, I'm going to I'm gonna be playing for a lot less money now. A lot of the attention is going to be elsewhere. Um, and they're definitely feeling like they're kind of left on the outside looking in. You know, maybe that was sort of always going to happen eventually because there is this divide on the PGA Tour between the stars and the rank and file guys described to me as there's the A tour and the B tour. And, you know, a lot of guys who are on the B tour are now looking at the guys who are on the A tour and now the entire tour is sort of, you know, they're thinking, Oh, is this, is this whole tour going to be become the B tour? So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the, what the vibe is like this week, mm-hmm. um, you know, between guys who, who are playing the Taylor Gooch's of the world, the Dustin Johnson of the world. Um, and some of the guys they left behind. And I'm also curious to see, what it's like between like a JT and a DJ. And, and I know that JT said, or maybe Rory's a better example, because I know that JT said earlier in the week that, you know, I don't think any differently of those guys. Like they are entitled to, to do what they feel like is best for them and their families. But I wonder how Rory feels. You know, I wonder, I wonder what a conversation between Rory and DJ would look like these days or, or between Rory and, and Phil. So 
I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on it for it all. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. Yeah, I hate the idea that that the product's being diluted. You know, I, I hate the idea that the best players aren't playing together on the same tour. I, you know, I've heard the analogy of, well, just think about it from the NFL, right? I mean, the NFL is wildly popular in the United States. Everybody's got their play or their team and their favorite players. All right. Start thinking about like if Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, you know, all of a sudden they jump over to this different football league and other players start going, I mean, all of a sudden now it, it, it starts to dilute the product and, are you as passionate about that? I mean, that's kind of what we're at here. You know, we're at the beginning of it. There's, there's going to be more players going. Um, Bryson just committed. Patrick Reed just committed. Ricky Fowler. Has Ricky committed? No, I don't think he has, but not yet at least. But okay. I, 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 really, I like what you're saying, though, because this is, a, this is a distinction that I think people haven't really made. A lot of people have talked about, oh, well, what about the NBA doing business in China? Or, you know, what about... Um, the Saudis buying soccer teams. And the difference here is the Saudis have bought soccer teams within the Premier League, right? And they're still existing in the Premier League. So this is different. It would, like, instead of, think of that as buying an NBA team. What's happening right now is the Saudis are not just, they're not buying an NBA team. They're saying, screw the NBA. And we're going to start a total competitor to the NBA. It's blowing up the system from above. It's not just, okay, we're going to pump money into one entity within this ecosystem. We're going to try to overhaul the entire ecosystem and just throw enough money at it so that it sticks. And, you know, ethical concerns aside, and and I don't want to minimize them because they're very real. And, you know, when you read stuff like the statements from these 9-11 families, like, you realize that this stuff is, is very, it's real and it's significant. But source of the money aside, you know, my, my personal issue or my concerns aren't real. They are, they are about the Saudi money, but it's not just about the Saudi. It's just that it's all money, 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 right. money. Mm-hmm. Like, even if this was a different, a different source of funding, you know, I think someone coming from over the top and trying to uh, displant or unseat the PGA Tour just by throwing money at something, I think is dangerous for the sport, regardless of where it comes from. So yeah, it's I not agree. just that it's, it's not just that it's Saudi money. It's just that it's, it's just a shameless sort of throw money and hope it sticks. Yeah, I think that's well said. And, and that's kind of been, you know, my stance on it. And, you know, you can imagine, and I'm sure you're getting it on social media and, you know, I, I've had a lot of concern about, okay, where, yeah, of course, where is the money coming from? But why are these players leaving the sole purpose to play for money and putting that out there in social, in particular on my Instagram account and, and just the amount of pushback that, you receive from that. Well, they're just trying to do better for their family. No, I get that, but I'm looking at it. I'm in the business. I care about the sport. I am a fan and I'm sorry that if I have concerns about a group coming in and trying to hijack the sport by throwing billions of dollars at it. I mean, is this what we really want to do? I mean, come on. They won't, they won't, they won't. I mean, they could take over tennis. It'd be a lot cheaper. (laughs) 
You know, like yeah. there's if, if they do this and they're successful, um, and I'm sure they're feeling like they're on the right track. Then who's who's to say they're not going to do this in other sports? I mean, the, the money's endless. Yeah, it, it really, you know, it, it gets into a sort of existential question of like, what are we doing here? Right. And you know, it, it would be like if this thing works, it would be like if if we started a new football league and there was kind of no Super Bowl. You know, it's just like they're just out there and they're playing and they're getting paid a lot of money for it. Like you need that that sort of. Uh, Desire you, you need you need things to matter. Otherwise, people stop caring. And you know, may, maybe maybe this is I, maybe the majors are kind of all that matters. And, and, and it's, it's that you know that's probably true. And we're we're so far inside golf that you know we don't realize, or maybe we don't properly appreciate just how much the majors transcend the other events. But I just think if this thing succeeds, it becomes you know, sort of exhibitions that are just let's play and, and for as much money as possible, except for four weeks a year. And and again, as we both said, I understand it on the individual level. I understand it why someone like Ian Poulter would go and take the money, but I don't think it's good for the game as a whole. No, and I don't think it's good for the performance of the player either, like a Dustin Johnson, who <clears throat> I think struggles with staying motivated and focused. I mean, um, and now you've got, 200 or 125 million or whatever it is in his pocket. Okay. Now I got to get up and work on the game and be the best I can be. I, I just think there's going to be an erosion in play for players like that. Now some, Erod- some will probably Sorry, I mean, just one, one thing. Yeah. Erosion of player. And also like where are the new guys going to come from? Like, is there a plan to just keep plucking the best guys off the PGA tour? Because this is basically they're taking the stars when they're already established as stars. So it's like, you just think of it from a logical perspective. That's, that model is not sustainable. Right. So, so I guess they're counting on the PGA Tour continuing to exist, continuing um, to be able to just go at the top and take the top, you know, 5% of players. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like, like that's going to sustain itself for the long haul. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the major championship. Let's transition to that because – when you when you look at these um, these lawsuits that are going to be coming about, right? And the live is basically stance with the PGA Tour is, is a, it's a monopoly, and the PGA Tour is probably going to defend that through the major championships, right? They're going to look at it and say, "Look, the four major championships we don't own and operate; those are four different associations." When you look at this. And how all of this is playing out. I mean, the major championships have always been the biggest tournaments and powerful, but their position has strengthened even more now, these four major championships. And then you go as far as the official world golf rankings, which is going to be critical for the LIV group because they're going to have to get some world golf ranking points at some point starting next year. Well, who makes those decisions? The four major championships and the PGA tour. That's where it's going to get really interesting is when they apply for that and what they need to do for that. Now, 48 players, I think you can make the case if the field is strong enough, but three day events, I think they're going to run into a big issue there. What do you think? I do too. That's I, I, you know, I, I tweeted 
what has Jay Monaghan been doing these last couple of days? Because I, you know, I probably should have been more visible. I'm sure he's working all those connections. You know, he. I'm sure he's been on the phone with with Brett Ridley from Augusta and, and Seth Wall from the PGA of America, Mike Juan and Martin Slumbers. Like he, he knows that there are certain levers he can pull or try to pull that would make a difference. And, and obviously, the world ranking is one of them because someone like Taylor Gooch uh, is, you know, somewhere around 30 in the world right now. Um, better, you know, he, he needs to play well this week because if he doesn't get any ranking points this week, he's not. He's not getting any ranking. He's got one more tournament to get ranking points for the rest of the year. And if you fall out of the top 50, you know, you don't, you're not guaranteed to get into majors. So it does sort of speak to, you know, the, the world ranking is golf. There's an, there's an element of, of purist, purism in golf, right? Like 72 holes, stroke play, that's what constitutes a legitimate golf tournament. That's, that's sort of been defined. There's all these different leagues, but, but one thing they have in common is 72 holes, stroke play, and no team component. I mean, this team component is really, really soft, so it's, I don't know if the team component would be a big a big deal because soccer could play an alternate shot or best ball, but, it, you know, it would be like another sport that they decided that, you know, instead of four quarters for a basketball game, we're going to play, you know, just, just too high. It would just be like a fundamental switch of how the game is measured and how we decide who the best player is. So the world ranking is a huge, is a huge piece. Augusta national is a huge piece. Those are the two dominoes that are yet to fall. Yep. And I'm sure Jay Monahan is doing everything he can. And his relationships with these guys are, I guarantee they're much stronger than, than Greg Norman's, but, and it's a big, but the majors almost benefit from this because it further cements them as above the PGA Tour yep. and as sort of the gatekeepers of the game. Yep. And if if they decide not to side with the PGA Tour and they say, "Hey, this is not our business," they're still the majors, and they're even they're even more important now because we won't see all these guys play together other than those four tournaments. <laughs> so they're in an interesting spot because they probably feel like, all right, morally, this is not good for the game. They also right that they also have to think about big picture because if if it's not good for golf then it's not good for the biggest golf tournaments in the world so so that morally they probably feel like they should stick with the PGA Tour but in the short term they know that that not being dragged around by the PGA Tour adds another layer of insulation between them and the rest of the professional game that only elevates their status so yep. again a fascinating dynamic it is <clears throat> I've been thinking about that one a lot. Um over the last few days and just the position that these guys find themselves in. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. And the PJ tour is going to have to be careful with the way that they interact with that. Um, because you know, there has to be some discussion being had there on how that's going to, how that's going to transpire. And that's really now, I think in many ways, the next domino for um, the LIV. Let me, let me ask you this um, as Bryson, Patrick, Reed, uh, Pat Perez, and then Ricky still hasn't given the full commitment yet. Let's use Ricky as an example. I, I keep, I hear some rumblings from players from time to time that, yeah, it could be better on the PGA Tour. Like I get, you know, a lot of these guys, the money's just is too much and they can't pass it up and off they go. And they're, look, they're a hundred percent going because of the money. But then as some of these guys are going out, 
or thinking about making the conversion. It, I hear, you know, yeah, the PGA tour could get better. I see some tweets from some people like, yeah, the PGA tour better get their act together or, you know, they're going to lose more players. Well, get their act together. Like what, what's so bad to these players and to these, some of these people that are talking that the PGA tour implying that, there's X, Y, and Z needs to get better. I mean, can you define that or are you just as baffled as I am? Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast, top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, Run hard, fight hard, and play hard. We have your coffee right here. Um, I, the way I would define it is comparison is the thief of joy. And it's true in every walk of life. There's always somebody who's richer than you, uh, unless you're Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Yeah, I can't keep track of who's richer. I think it's Elon Musk now. Um, there's always someone who's going to be in a nicer car. There's always somebody who's got a hotter wife, you know, and if you focus on everyone else and, and what their life looks like and what it could be, then, then yeah, you're never, you're never going to be satisfied. Um, and I think that's, that's why I've been so impressed with, with Rory and with JT throughout this process is they know they could get ridiculous money over there, right? Like if, if, yeah. if, if Phil's going for 200, I mean, Rory could for double that, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, and Tiger's the same way. You know, Tiger was offered something psychotic. I, I don't think it was a billion dollars. I think that's Greg Norman trying to just blow smoke as he sort of wants to do. But these guys know that they're leaving a bunch of money on the table and they're okay with that because their life is pretty good as it is. And, you know, I've had conversations with other pros who are like, yeah, I, you know, I didn't think it was so bad. Like, But if you're focused always on how there could be more and there could be this, like, just think about Phil Mickelson feeling like he needs to do this. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, right? Like, the guy's won 45 times. He's won six majors. He's won $800 million in his career. I understand he's lost a lot of that with some bad money line and, and spread bets. Um, but, like, really, like, this hasn't been enough for you? You know, like, this no. life hasn't... And, and again, I, I, I can't blame anyone for chasing more because I, I, everyone is different and everyone's uh, value structures are different. But I just, I just keep coming back to that phrase. Comparison is the deep joy because with that, with that mindset, you're never, you're never going to be satisfied and nothing's ever going to come. All right. Final question. Cause I know you're on your way to, to Boston and in, in Brookline U S open this week. And it'd be fascinating. What a week this is going to be. I mean, just both on and off the golf course, but if you had to take a step back, uh, Daniel, and you had to look at this kind of big picture and, you know, and just take a deep breath and like, all right, okay, the lives not going away. What, what do you think this is going to look like? Let's, let's go out two years from now. Have you, have you thought about it that way yet? I've been trying to, it's been hard because, you know, every piece of news feels like it's the end of the world. This guy's going, oh, this guy's not going. Live, you know, if they took the front foot with having their event on Saturday and then the PJ Tour comes back with its incredible show on Sunday and it's really easy to get caught up in the minutiae. But I, I have thought about it. And the, que the question that I, that I have, um, 
and that I, I think will determine this, is, is how long are the Saudis uh, going to be willing to, to do this, mm-hmm. assuming that it loses money? Because it's going to lose, I mean, they are losing money right now. And I understand that, you know, the, the main goal of this is not profit. But if this continues to be sort of a, if they fail to attract the best players in the world, which they haven't done yet, if they fail to attract the best players in the world, and this continues to be sort of like a, you know, maybe not a sideshow, but sort of like this weird novelty, like guys at the end of their career and guys who kind of have a, an axe to grind with the PGA Tour. I don't know if the Saudis want to be involved with that for, for five, ten years. You know, because they, like these investments with, you know, their soccer teams, like they, they're not like just hemorrhaging money like this golf league will be. Um, so I think there's going to be a couple of years where both exist and, you know, it's going to kind of settle down where you're going to have your live guys and you're going to have your PGA tour guys. And then I think in like two or three years, we're going to get to a point where the Saudis, I, I you know, I just, I have a really hard time thinking that this thing will sustain itself just because the business model is so unsustainable. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're, maybe they're willing to lose hundreds of millions of dollars every year. Um, but I don't think so. And, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just well, the one thing that I hope. I think the worst possible scenario would be the majors, and I don't think this will happen on a number of different steps. But there is a sort of eventuality where the majors ban guys, and guys say, "I don't care," yeah. and that, and then, and then we're at a point where then your sports in trouble because if guys decide and they and they announce publicly that the money for them is more important than the championships, then the whole thing becomes meaningless really quickly. And, and it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of, you know, case study in social psychology. It's like these sports only matter if we feel like they matter and we feel like the players feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. And if, and if we get to a place where a guy says, Hey, if you play in these live events, you can't play in the masters. And someone says, okay, then, then I worry for the future of our sport. So I just hope that doesn't happen. Well said. Yeah, that's, it's very well said. Um, and, uh, well, the next chapter is going to play out this week as they, um, as they all come together. Greg Norman doesn't show his face this week, does he? No, no way. God, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, but I, 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 you're right. I didn't even thought about that. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, Daniel Rappaport with Golf Digest. Follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore Rappaport. Can't thank you enough for your time. Have a great week, man. Yeah, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Travis.